Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the MLB Extras Rays podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Rays reporter Juan Toribio. And Juan, we're going to continue our position previews and we're going to move onto the outfield this week. Uh, it's an interesting group, obviously, for this Rays team and it's timely because they have added to the group this week as well. So we'll talk about that. We'll also get into uh, the farm a little bit in the minor league system because MLB Pipeline is coming out with its top 10 positional rankings this week and next week leading up to the annual Top 100 release, which will actually be a week from this Saturday uh, on the 26th on MLB Network. So we'll get into that a little bit too, but let's start with the outfield and let's start with that new addition. Avisayo Garcia has been signed, free agent signing. And to me, one, this is an interesting one. Here's a guy who obviously struggled in 2018 for sure, 236 average. He did hit 19 home runs, but he broke out in 2017 when he hit 330. He was an all-star that year. A lot of people saw the numbers in 2017 and felt like they weren't sustainable because of the peripherals. That proved to be true in 2018. What are the Rays like about him heading into 2019? Well, he hits the ball hard, and that's kind of that's kind of been a theme for the Rays this offseason. They added Tommy Pham you know, last season, and then they added Yandy Diaz over the offseason. So he hits the ball hard. He can hit left-handed pitching. You know, even though even though he struggled last season, like you said, he still hit almost 300 against lefties. He had 420-something against lefties in, in 2017 in that ridiculous year that he had. But, I mean, that, that's, main, that's mainly the big reason why they brought him in. I mean, left-handed hitting left-handed pitching, the Yankees have a couple lefties in the rotation. The Red Sox have, a couple, have two or three in, the, in there. So adding adding another guy who can hit left-handed pitching, they don't have a lot of that in the lineup right now. So he'll he'll platoon with G-Man Shoei at DH. As things stand right now, obviously they, they can still go and add another person. But they like him. I mean, he's he's a typical raise by low candidate. Obviously, if he would have been a free agent after 2017, you're looking at a guy who's going to make a lot of money. So they're hoping that he can kind of go back, not necessarily all the way back to the 330, the 18 homes that he hit you know, in 2017, but they actually think he has a little bit more power in him. He had 19 home runs last season. And then if he can hit somewhere between 280, you know, slug, slug, slug a good amount, I think the Razor will be satisfied with that at the DH spot. Timing is everything, and this is a classic move, I think, by the Rays, getting a guy that would have been a lot more expensive a year ago and getting him at a at a good rate this year. You hope that he does well, and then it's a short-term deal as well, um, so it's not going to cost you a lot of money long-term either. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. We'll see how he fits into that outfield overall. Uh, let's move on to some other guys out there, and let's start in center field. Uh, the face of the franchise in a lot of ways <laughs> at this point, I think, right? Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, just a rough 2018 with the injuries. He only played in 88 games. He only hit 217 in those games. Um, this is a guy that we know can get it done. Obviously, gold glove caliber center fielder, and he's shown that he can get it done offensively. He hit 276 in 2017. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to hit 310 for you or anything, but 276 and 15 homers in 2017, along with the defense, is a ton of value. So, how does Kiermeyer stay healthy for an entire season considering the way he goes all out in center field? That's always been the, the question with Kiermeyer. Obviously, like, like you said, he's not going to hit you 300. But if he can go somewhere between 250, get on base, steal a couple of bases, and, and it remains to be seen if he's going to be the leadoff guy. Obviously, he struggled in that spot last season, and he had a little bit more success in the 6'7". 
But if, if he has a good spring, I think he, he probably gets the first shot at being that the team's leadoff guy now that Maddox Smith is over there in Seattle. So, yeah, it's, it's hard because you, you obviously don't want to take away the aggressiveness that he has in center field. I mean, I got, I got, a, I got a front row seat um, to watch him play center field every every day, and, and he really is remarkable over there. I mean, the, the difference between him and some of the other guys that, that you know have a couple spot starts at center, you know, it's remarkable. So you don't want to take that edge. Away from him, obviously, that's where he gets most of his value. But you do want to take, you know, sliding, maybe sliding head first to second or third or, you know, extending a, a single to a double with the, they call it the Kiermaier special in Tampa. You know, it's, it's just a little, little place like that he could be a little bit smarter. Obviously, you talk about guys like Machado. Obviously, he's a big, he's a hot topic in baseball. And, they you know, he doesn't necessarily hustle to first base, but he also plays a lot of games. So if, if the Rays can kind of have, find a balance, of Kiermaier to kind of be, you know, stay aggressive. That's just the type of player he is, but kind of notch it down a little bit just so he can be available for a long, a large part of the season. You know, he hit, he hit 300 in September last season. You know, the thumb injury kind of derailed his season a little bit last year, but if, if he can hit someone between 250, 260, get on base, I think that's, he's the wild card for, for the Rays lineup moving into 2019. Yeah, you want him to go after it, but but be smart, right? It's almost like a running back in football when you get to the sideline, just step out of bounds instead of right. taking the contact and and let yourself uh, play 150 games and help out your team. Think long term and and what you can do for a team over the long haul, not just making the one spectacular spectacular grab that could lead to an injury. Okay, so that takes care of uh, center field. Over to left field, and Tommy Pham was a guy that they acquired at the deadline from the Cardinals. Uh, for a couple of minor leaguers, he's a guy that that because he was a late bloomer, um, he's still very affordable as far as the contract goes. He's in his arbitration um, state right now, um, and it seems like he's always been a guy since he's gotten to the big leagues that just kind of ha- has a chip on his shoulder that plays to his advantage. Do you see that continuing with the race? Absolutely, and that's that's the guy. That's the type of guy that Rays traded for, and it's a little bit unusual. The Rays don't usually bring in a guy with with that type of attitude. It's not that like he has a bad attitude by any means, but he's just really intense. I mean, he cares a lot. He's always working on his craft, and he demands a lot from a lot of people. Obviously, you know, he's known for that little that little you know thing with the Cardinals, the Sports Illustrated story, and all that stuff. So it was it was interesting to see the Rays go after a guy like that. But once they acquired him, I mean, he was by far the best hitter in the lineup. He had three forty three, hit seven home runs, and he, and he battled a couple of injuries there. He he went down to the Dominican Republic to play winter ball, you know, which is kind of remarkable for a guy that played a, a bunch of games in the big leagues. And you know, he's always he's always looking to find an edge, and that's that's what the Rays wanted. They're hoping he he can rub off a little bit on some of the younger guys, not too much. They don't want you know, they, like they said, they don't want twenty five guys like him. You know, but but he but he's he's a guy that you need. You know, he, he having one or two of those guys in your club isn't necessarily a bad thing. So they're hoping. You know, obviously, like I said, he had three forty three. He's gonna he's gonna hit second or third in the lineup, and he's gonna be a big part of what they of what they accomplish this season. If he if he goes back to his MVP like season in twenty seventeen, then the Rays got an absolute bargain out from the Cardinals. Now it's it's just a matter of can he do it for a whole season? Stay kind of like here, Can he stay healthy for the for the entire year? Um, and they, yeah, and, and it'll be interesting what happens with him during arbitration. You know, he's not necessarily the, the one guy in baseball that I will pick to go against in, in arbitration and kind of tell him why he doesn't deserve this type of money. But, you know, the difference isn't that much. It was reported that he wanted four million and the Rays were going for three point five. So hopefully that doesn't that doesn't 
you know, cause any problems within the organization. But I mean, his his game speaks for itself, and he he's going to be a good guy for for the race to have in the lineup. Maybe if he loses the arbitration case, it just adds to that chip on his shoulder, and he's <laughs> he's that much <laughs> right. more fired up in 2019. Who knows? You mentioned uh, not wanting to have 25 Tommy Fams. Man, Kevin Cash. Good luck if that if that was the case. Right. For sure, keeping that <laughs> going, but but it is good to have some fire in the clubhouse, and he is that guy. All right, Austin Meadows is another guy they brought in late last year. He was one of the key pieces to that Chris Archer trade. Um, He came up with the Pirates a little bit last year and then with the Rays. uh, He didn't play much with the Rays, just 10 games, 59 overall in 2018 between the two stops. He hit 287, six home runs. He was kind of streaky in Pittsburgh, got off to a great start, and then cooled off a little bit. Do the Rays think this guy can be – where does he fit in in – in 2019, is he the guy that is that is splitting time with Garcia? Does he get a lot of time in the outfield? How do they see him? He's going to get every shot to be that yeah. that starting right fielder. Obviously, they brought in Garcia, and he's more you know he's more likely to play DH. He obviously could play in the at right field, but they're going to give Meadows every shot. You know, they, like you said, they brought him in the Archer deal. They weren't going to trade Archer unless they got two impact players back. Obviously, they have Tyler Glass now in the rotation now. Meadows likely to be the starting right fielder and they like him. I mean, he provides a lot of pop. He's another lefty bat. You know, he had, he only had one home run with the Rays, but and it, it was an impressive one. And he, he dominated triple A Durham before he got injured, you know, hit double digit home runs hit three forty four. So he's a guy that they, they, they love. He, he was really one of the biggest pieces in that, in that Chris Archer deal. And if he can provide, you know, some sort of production, obviously the home run number will be the big difference there. I mean, he's going to be the guy who's gonna, who, who, who could, he could be the one that pushes the Rays a little bit over the edge. So, you know, he's going to get every shot. Garcia is a little bit more of an insurance. Brandon Lowe, Brandon Lowe is there. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what he could provide the Rays in 2019. And Lau is the one other guy I wanted to talk about. Uh, number 10 ranked prospect. He can also play the infield, which is nice, and it makes him really valuable on a Rays team that loves guys that can play all over the field. Um, 2018 seemed like, you know, he played 43 games, um, didn't do great at the plate, but there's an adjustment period, obviously, when you're getting called up from the minor leagues. Um, does he make the roster in your opinion out of spring training or could he be a guy that actually starts the season back down in the minors? He could start down in the minors, but I ultimately think he does make the, make the 25. You know, he's a guy, like you said, he could play second base and he might play a little bit of first base this season for the Rays until they kind of figure out the first base situation. And, you know, he started off, I think it was the first 21 at bats that he didn't get a base hit. Could be 20, somewhere around that number. But after after that, I mean, he he was pretty solid for the Rays. He had a bunch of doubles. You know, he had a couple home runs. So he's like five nine, maybe a buck sixty five. So he's small frame, but I mean, the power that he provides is incredible. G Man Choi always messes around with him and grabs his bat a little bit. He was like, there has to be cork in this bat for for a guy this small to to hit, hit you know have so much power. Obviously, he's kidding, but I mean, that's the type of power that he provides. So I think ultimately. He's gonna end up in the twenty-five man roster. He could end up down in the minors, depending on how you know the situation goes, or if the Rays want to add somebody else. But he's gonna—he's definitely gonna contribute in twenty nineteen, whether it's whether it's in, in in you know March or June or September. He's definitely gonna be a guy that's, that's gonna help the Rays win a lot of games. 
All right, so that's kind of a, an overall look at this outfield and how it shapes up as we get ready for spring training. I mentioned pipeline in the top 10 prospects list, and this Rays system is in great shape right now. What a position to be in for the Rays with the, the major league team in a good spot and more talent coming up on the way. And a lot of that talent is of the pitching variety, which everybody likes to see. So the top 10 right-handed pitchers was released on Tuesday. Brent Honeywell making that list. We talked about him on the pod last week, so I don't want to go too much into Honeywell. But then the left-handed side, you have two guys. Number three prospect as far as all left-handed pitchers, Brendan McKay. The Rays obviously have him playing both ways at this point, first base and, and on the mound. And then number seven, Matt Libertor, their first-round pick uh, last year, which a lot of people think was an absolute steal where they got him in the first round when he was expected to go much higher going into the draft. So this is a good spot, right, Juan, to have a couple of lefties that are highly thought of that much, um, whether the Rays hold on to them or have to deal them at some point. Um, they're not going to be a part of this team in 2019, but the future's bright when you have young pitching on the way. This reminds me of, Ray's years gone by, right, with all the pitching they've produced over the years? Uh, yeah, especially left-handed pitching, obviously. It starts with David Price and now with Blake, with Blake right. Snow now going on. So, yeah, you could be in a, in a much worse spot than the Rays are with, with the, all the pitching that they have. That's for sure. You know, Libertor, like you said, he would have been a top-five pick um, if, it, if there wasn't some concern that he might have gone to school instead of, instead of coming out of the draft. The Rays had a lot of slot money this season, which is, you know, it's funny to say – you know, it's it's funny to associate the Rays with having a lot of money in, in any sense, but it, they had a lot of slot money through the draft, so they were able to get him. They have, they have Shane McClanahan, you know, they drafted out of South Florida. He's another guy who you know has a lot of potential with a late late first round pick. Um, and yeah, Brendan McKay is obviously the big the, the the highlight, right? I mean, he's he's he can go both ways, but he's he's much better as a pitcher than he is as a hitter, at least right now in his career. You know, if 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 he would have been strictly a pitcher. You could make the argument that he could be ready to make the make an appearance with the big league club in 2019, uh, but the Rays are still learning how to really maneuver having a two way player like him. They don't know exactly when to bring him up to Double A. You know they don't want to mess with with his bat. They don't want to mess with his arm. So he's he's going to be an interesting development developmental project. But Libertor is, is, is one of those guys who has you know top of the top of the line stuff. He could be an ace. He could be one of those guys that the Rays have to move in line once, you know, Blake Snow is kind of moving up there in age and, and guys like that. It, it'll take him some time, but the Rays, from everything I hear within the, the organization, I mean, they're, they're really high and I could. Yeah, and Pipeline lists both of those guys, McKay and Libertor, as being 2021-type guys making it to the big leagues uh, for different reasons. Libertor so young out of the high school ranks. McKay still trying to figure it out on both sides of the ball, but out of college and a little bit older. But certainly the, the future seems bright for this Rays team as they continue to try to contend in that American League East. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. You can find Juan on Twitter at Juan C. Terribia, and I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. This podcast and all of our MLB Extras Club podcasts can be found on MLB.com backslash podcast, also through Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. Thanks to Juan. For him, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week.